0: It is really good to see you. I'm so glad you chose to come today. And we are starting a new series today. It's going to be a four-part series called Relationship Goals. Relationship Goals. Now, contrary to what you might think with the uh, two straws and the one drink, um, this will encompass every kind of relationship, even if it's not a romantic relationship or a marriage relationship. Here's what I know about you. Every one of you, has relationships, right? And so this is going to be about improving those relationships and setting some goals that help all of our relationships. Now, having said that, um, there will be a lot of things stated from my perspective, and, and so there's going to be some relationship things that come from my perspective. You'll have to translate it as it relates to your perspective as we go. We're going to jump right into the beginning of God's salvation story, and in Genesis chapter 2, we read this, and it's quite an interesting comment here. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. Now let's pause there for a second, because sin has not entered the world yet. He has created the world. It is, he keeps saying how good it is. Everything he's made is good. And now for the first time, he says something's not good, and it isn't evil. There's no sin. He's saying something isn't good. At this point and what he says isn't good is for the man to be alone now I know what you're thinking you're thinking this is about marriage and to be true um, right after this we read the narrative about how God created Eve for Adam in a help, help helper suitable for Adam kind of relationship but here's the truth every single one of us has been designed by God to function best in relationships. And so it is not good for us to function alone. And that's something important to focus on. Not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So so to make it really, really clear on the next slide, you do not need another person to complete you. Okay, You do not need another person to complete you. Jesus came to make you whole as an individual. Single is a whole number. If you never get married, you still have a way to get whole, and you need to be whole. Jesus lived a whole and full life without a wife. In fact, he prayed, Father, please... Give them the full measure of joy that I am experiencing. He was fully enjoying life, whole and complete, as a single person, in relationship with his father, and he's praying that the unique relationship with his father that he experienced could be ours, and we've experienced that complete wholeness in relationship with God. So, that's for everybody. We need to be whole the way Jesus was whole. Here's where this series is going. With four pictures, we have four parts that I want to just review with you. Upper left-hand corner is today, Christ-centered. The next one over is kingdom living. On the lower left is devil kicking. And on the lower right is covenant keeping. Christ-centered, kingdom living, devil kicking, covenant living. Would you try to say that with me? Christ-centered, kingdom living, devil kicking, covenant keeping. Now, the last one with the rings looks like it's going to be all about marriage, but covenant is what it's all about. If you're single and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have entered into covenant with God through Jesus Christ, and covenant keeping is a is an important relationship goal for you and for those around you when you have relationships with others. So those are the four things we are working on together. Before we get further, I want to introduce you, perhaps if you are new and haven't met my best friend of 39 years. I've known her for 40 years. This is my wife, Gina. And uh, we... uh, Matt, 40 years ago. She was my best friend. And then three months from now, we will celebrate our 37th wedding anniversary. And so that's Gina and uh, my best friend. But here's what I want to say. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but a picture is only one frozen moment in a much larger story. One frozen moment in a much larger story. So I just shared with you a pretty picture. It was a frozen moment. And yet, there's a much larger story. I didn't share with you all of my not-so-pretty pictures. And we, as best friends, have had many not-so-pretty pictures. Actually, every lengthy relationship will have many of these Not so pretty pictures. Now, um, let me just talk about me specifically. I mean, I've been a believer in following the Lord Jesus Christ since childhood. And so, by the time we met in college, I mean, I was thinking, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I love God, I'm a good catch, And thinking in those terms, uh, I brought a lot of pain into the relationship. When I uh, would have the habit of thinking that I was right, and I've told you this before, when I'm right, I'm the most dangerous. When I think I'm right, I'm the most dangerous. Uh, I brought a lot of pain into the relationship. And none of this pain that I brought into the relationship was because we were young and ignorant. Now, the reality is, when I'm honest, is this. I did a lot of stupid things. And what's a stupid thing? A stupid thing is when you do something or say something that's very painful to the other, and you know it's wrong to do or say that. That's a stupid thing. You know better, and you do it anyway. Having said that, here's what's true about me. I am not a mistaker in need of a life coach. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And in every relationship, this is true. And at first, I thought in terms of my salvation from my Savior is something that took place in the past, and now I'm a good catch. The reality is, I need a Savior every day. I need a Savior to make me whole. I need a Savior that allows me to be the kind of person I would like to be. Why did I do stupid things? It wasn't because I didn't know better. it's because something was messed up inside of me, and it was not yielded to my Savior. So we're going to talk about this kind of thing. So like I said, as I talk through my lips, you hear from my perspective, and I've been married now longer than I've been single. And yet, all of us in long-term relationships have some pretty pictures. Some of us in this room have some pretty pictures that we want to do this to (laughs) and rip them up because they no longer feel pretty to us. Because of the pain of the past that have totally ruined every pretty picture that was involved. In fact, the relationship is no more. And so this series is not designed to pounce and hurt and harm. The Lord Jesus Christ brings us hope Even when we experienced a relationship in the past that felt green and lush and full and the leaves were fluttering in the wind and just felt wonderful and beautiful and then suddenly the cold, chill winter blew off all the leaves and there's nothing left that's green and fresh and alive and you just think the tree is dead. If you're in a relationship and you feel like the tree is dead, let me tell you, there's hope. If you've left a relationship and you know it's dead and you're moving forward, there's hope. There's hope and love in your future through relationships because Jesus is our Savior. Having said that, we have a tendency to look at other relationships and view them through their pretty pictures and we forget that every relationship is hiding the ugly pictures, the ones that we say, that ain't pretty, and I don't want anybody to know about that. And we all have those because we are sinners in need of a Savior. So point number one on your outline is this. If you are the kind of person that wants to write something down, you have an outline there. When your life is painful, do not compare it with a mirage. When your life is painful, do not compare it with a mirage. If your relationship pain in the past was so awful and you start pursuing another relationship, make sure that you listen well today because If you're comparing other people's pretty pictures and wanting that, you may be pursuing a perception rather than a reality. Now I want to bring this same sentence into wordplay, and it's where I live. When your marriage is painful, do not compare it to a mirage. Now the two words are very similar. Marriage, mirage. A real marriage that is beautiful made beautiful and deep and sweet. And my relationship with my wife is deeper and sweeter than it's ever been. It still has not-so-pretty pictures. Even recently, in fact, uh, I'm not sharing a a not-so-pretty picture. I'm just sharing the reality of the fact that I had a sleepless night last night. It's a lot of pressure to talk about relationships. I'm not trying to present our relationship as a model to you I'm trying to present Jesus as the answer to you. Many of you have not made mistakes that I've made. And you have beautiful relationships going. But I am this hard-headed, competitive, really broken person that's more like an absent-minded professor, preoccupied with the world in my head, that I am really, really lousy at relationships. And here I am, standing, talking about relationships, where I feel like, ah, so I have a sleepless night. I still want to bring truth to you, truth that I believe with all my heart, truth that is improving my relationships, and I think they will improve yours as well. Don't chase a mirage. Here's what Paul says about perceptions and comparisons. In 2 Corinthians, he writes, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves they are not wise so when you compare a relationship you're in with this sweet relationship that you see in the pretty pictures and the snapshots and the way, did you see did you see the way he treated her okay and that kind of comparison thing that is not wise and that is not helpful you're now taking a mirage your perception without any of the awareness of their not-so-pretty pictures, and beating up your not-so-pretty picture and wishing that you had a mirage instead of something that's more real and better. Point number two, don't fall for the myth of the one. What I want to describe here is something I've described before some years ago, is that Our world is really strong in the idea that, and some of it even has this pseudo-Christian background to it. God has this perfect match for you, a match made in heaven. You just have to find that one. Your parents have been praying from the time you were infant and that someday you'll find that one. Once you find that one, it's going to be a soulmate and all the puzzle pieces fit together perfectly and it's going to be bliss forever, mirage. (laughs) Okay, here's the problem with the myth. Let's just go practically here. So a girl comes out of a little painful relationship and it's not so good and then suddenly she's interacting with somebody that's kind of, you know, nice. And then they decide to go on a date and he actually opens the door for her. It's like, ha, he's the one, (laughs) right? And then she's finding out through, over dinner that he actually has a nine-to-five job, (gasps) He's the one, my other, and then they compare it to the other person who is a professional video game player, you know. And, and it's like, this guy is legit, he's got to be the one. And then all things kind of move along quickly because you're buying into the myth. It's like all the radio songs, it's real. I'm feeling it, I'm feeling all the things that I hear about in all the songs. Then you get married. And then you hit reality, and every relationship does, and the picture is no longer pretty. And when the picture is not pretty, what do you do with that? Well, if you've bought into the myth of the one, you start second-guessing. Maybe he's not the one. I Couldn't be the one. You start doing the comparison thing. I think that person is the one, that person is not like this, and there you go, you're often running in a horrible direction, and you were in covenant with somebody, okay? So let me just compare that to a Twinkie, why not? A Twinkie, you can't build your life around a soft feeling center. That's a Twinkie, not life. Okay, let me say it again. Let's say it together. You can't build your life around a soft feeling center. That's a Twinkie, not a life. A lot of people are aiming everything towards that feel good. It's just like the song, I'm fallen in love. It's so wow. I think this is it. Okay, in the children's department, they're literally handing out Twinkies and talking about a feeling center. Okay. There's no substance there when you're aiming everything around your feelings. You've got to aim your life around something more substantial, more solid, than that fluffy, warm, fuzzy, warm feeling, right? And and impromptu this morning, I I had another follow-up illustration that goes something like this. Okay, so you got to go for something more substantive to build the center around your life. And if it is more substantive and you're not aiming for the feelings as the center, but something more substantive, what will happen is your feelings will follow. And you actually feel better even though you're not feeling centered or feeling focused. All right, you're not following me. So here's the story that just this morning I thought, hey, it worked for a service. Let's see if it works again. I'm a dog person. I watch dog behavior. I love dogs. And you see the little dog chasing the tail. You ever seen this? They go round and round and round and round and round and round, chasing their tail. You go, what's they're doing? And that's what the old dog was saying too. Came up to the old do- little dog and said, Laddie, what are you doing? Chasing, chasing in circles. Well, oh, I'm chasing my tail. Well, why are you chasing your tail? Cause happiness is in my tail. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Wait, laddie, laddie, stop, stop. You're right. Happiness is in your tail, but you're going about it all wrong. Really? Yes. You need to do what's right. And if you do what's right, your tail's going to follow you every time, and it will be wagging. It will be happy. Oh. You know what? It didn't go as well this service than the last one. (laughs) The point is, if you do the right thing, the feelings will follow. If you focus on getting those feelings and pushing for the feelings and aiming for those feelings and now I'm not feeling it and you're just questioning everything because you're not feeling it and now you're going to do this to feel it. You're going to get off track and do all kinds of things for feelings and you will ruin your life. Do the right thing and the feelings will follow and you'll build healthy relationships. Point number three. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. In Matthew 22, 36 through 39, we read, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. If we move forward, we're going to read John 14, 6, where Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in the first, Jesus is saying you've got to learn how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And you you start to wonder, wait, if I love him with all my heart, what do I have left over? For anybody else. And yet Jesus is saying, if God is your one, who's your two? Everybody else. So in my life, if God is my one, my wife is my two. She's second, love my neighbor, and she's my closest neighbor. Boy, are we close. And... I have many other neighbors too. You're going to love the one first with all my heart. Now, if I love with all my heart, you think I have no heart left to love my neighbor. But this only works if you're loving wholeheartedly the source of all love. It doesn't work in any other way. And then Jesus goes on to say, he is the way to the Father. So if you want to love the Father with all your heart, good luck without Jesus because without a Savior, you don't have a chance to love God with all your heart because you're a sinner. You need a Savior that makes you whole and out of that wholeness, you can connect wholeheartedly to God and connecting wholeheartedly to God and Jesus, you're going to connect to the source and here's what happens. As you're loving God, you're being filled up with His love even as you love, you're not going to out love him. You love him and he's filling you up with his love and he just fills you up with so much love it's just now overflowing to your neighbor because he's the source. You go the other way around and it's drying up quickly and I want to talk about that with this next illustration. What's at the center of your life? If you're loving God wholeheartedly with all your heart, then God is at the center. And this whole message is Christ-centered. Is the relationship goal that's going to spill over and give you everything you need to make your relationships sweeter and better. If Christ is at the center, he's going to affect your values and beliefs, your actions and decisions, your influence and impact. And this is right where the problems were in my life. Because although I was saved and said that Jesus was my Lord, He still really didn't occupy the center. I had self at the center. And when self is at the center, there's a lot of pain in relationships. Let's back it up what's at your center? Everybody has something at their center. Maybe for you, you're a very selfless person, and self isn't the center. Maybe for you, your kids are your center. Well, there's a problem there, too. It's going to be a problem to your marriage. It's going to be a problem to other things. Kids are great, but if they become your center, your center is causing your... Values and beliefs, actions and decisions, influence and impact to be off center. God has designed us in such a way that every single one of us has to fill a vacuum that we now have in our experience. And the only one worthy to fill that vacuum is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you fill it with anything else, your life starts to become off centered and will begin to experience pain in various ways. So if marriage becomes your center, it's like, honey, I'm a Grand Canyon of needs. Please fill me. And, and she's just, that's too much. She's not God. She can't fill your every need. She can't satisfy your every longing. She can't be the one for everything. There's only one one. And that's God who fills and makes whole. If you're looking for your relationship to make you whole, you'll start to put pressure on that relationship, expectations on that relationship, and it starts to be grind and painful. I know from experience. Because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I am praying now with regularity, Lord God, you are my fixation, my only fixation that actually fixes. Any other fixation that I might have even if it's ministry, is going to cause pain in my relationship. God first, my neighbor second, my church job comes next to my wife. Sorry. Because God first holds it together. The wrong fixation will fragment and pull me apart. Any fixation that isn't Jesus Christ will begin to unfix you, pull you to pieces, and cause pain in your relationships. Now, as we're running out of time, we're going to be looking at what will we do to improve our relationships, to become more Christ-centered. Some of you are going to be really excited about this, and some of you are going to go, oh, crud. Um, I'm going to suggest to you, and I gave you a prayer. It's on your outline. It's on the screen. I'm going to suggest that in relationships, you begin to look for ways to become Christ-centered, especially in relationships where the relationship is with another Christ-centered person, that you might pray with that other person. For me, this was like the final frontier. It was so hard to pray together together in our marriage, it's such a vulnerable place, it's so hard to keep it consistent, I, I would rather kind of pray alone, you pray alone, we'll do our parallel lives with God thing, and he'll make it come together, but then I knew that wasn't the way it was supposed to be to experience oneness, and so it was like the final frontier, so I want to jump start that for a number of you, and some of you are going, huh, this prayer, that's, that's a snap, we pray an hour together every day, and it's really amazing, amen, I'm grateful that you have that going on. But there are others in this room that it's like, oh, crud, you want us to what? Pray together every day? That's just not going to happen. But I want to make it really easy. And so this is the prayer. Okay? Take a look at it, take it with you, grab it. And I'm not saying hold hands and read it, (laughs) just let it lead you and keep it that simple. Keep it short, keep it consistent. If you miss a day, don't miss two. And just get this rolling because if you get this rolling, this oneness in prayer together is going to have its uh, effect on other areas where your relationship is going to get stronger and stronger. Those not-so-pretty pictures are going to be fewer and fewer and more pretty pictures will come together. And I'm here to help each of us take steps from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. You take it now from where you are. How could I make a simple prayer every day the starting point? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. Sometimes I say these words and it feels just like words because I know that there are other things that have pulled my heart aside and you are not truly center. but I'm turning my face towards you. I turn to you and look to you for life and fulfillment and satisfaction and joy. You are the giver. You are the one that fills me up to overflowing. You are the one that allows me to become a blessing because you are in me and standing with me and giving me strength to serve and to love. May you be entering into our experiences together in simple prayers, uniting and putting our faces towards you. Help us to blossom like flowers before the sun, to experience fullness of life because we're looking to the source. Lord God, I want to look to you over and over and over. Be my Savior, be my God, be my everything, be my one. It's in Jesus' name name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Hope to see you next week for the next installment of Relationship Goals. We're going to be looking at kingdom living. If you have a prayer need today, we have a prayer team to the right of the stage. And today is the last day to sign up for Start Here, which is next week. So if that's you and you want to have some support in building a foundation to your life, what it looks like to follow Jesus, that's the thing to do. Go across the hall, sign up for Start Here. See you next week. God bless you.